Okay. I don't know how to start the show with the button. I still haven't gotten used to it. And you make a fake the beginning button. show. That's true. And go. <laughs> well, I saw on uh, Instagram a lot of people are buying your stuff from Walmart. I got my, Which is super cool. Oh. Yes, that's amazing. I, it's, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so, so honored that people would support me in such a big way. So everybody, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I had to put out that I did a little Instagram post yesterday because a lot of people say they can't find it because you type in toolbox, birdhouse, all these other things pop up. So Jimmy's Workshop seems to really bring you right to where you need to be. And that's, that's the name of the new little company, Jimmy's Workshop. That's what I, I was able to find it last night under that. Um, I was hoping, I was really, really hoping that it would be in a store near me so I could go like take a picture of it in the store. Yeah, that, that was way. my hope as well. It's in the distribution centers. Yeah, it's at the distribution centers now. It won't be in the stores until uh, I think March 5th or 6th oh, is what they're okay. saying. By the time it starts hitting shelves. You know, obviously that's like a, a, a slow target because there's trucking and stuff. It's not like a big, they don't like pull the white sheet off and go, ta-da, you know, slowly <laughs> getting into stores and... Being back storage rooms and forgotten corners of the warehouse. My video that comes out on Friday, I have it sitting on the background, and there's a pan shot of it starts on the toolbox and then goes to my bandsaw as a little teaser. Thank you. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I need to come up with something creative, but I want to make a video out of it for sure. You know, I got got to get your addresses because I have a pallet full, and I've been sending them out. So I need guys both text me both your addresses, and I'm going to send you guys a couple of each one of them so you can play with them. I'll take a pallet. I'll send you a couple to play with. That's cool. Well, yeah, everybody go uh, really go cool. check it out. You can find them on the Walmart website and in the app for now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just exciting. super cool. It's uh, really exciting. It's it's just never expected it yeah. to happen that way. That's why I said it a hundred times. We did a live stream last Friday night, which went really well. A lot of people are really, you know, you do a live stream and as soon as you hit end, like that's usually where the view count ends. This one keeps getting views, which is oh, great. Nice. Yeah, so a lot of people keep going back and referring to it. Uh I said, you never know. You know, so many people self-edit and they don't put out things just like, man, no one's going to watch it. You never know who's going to see it. You never know where it's going to lead. And this silly little video that I put out really struck a nerve with this one particular person within Walmart who is a fan of mine, always waiting for the right thing to come along to bring me into the, into the company for one reason or another. And that's how we ended up here. That's awesome. I'm going to put a link. I just did a search on the website on uh, walmart.com and I'm going to put a link to the search in the show notes so somebody can click that and go right to the page. I also noticed that your book from Make is on Walmart. Walmart sells yeah, everything. Yeah, it is. It comes up and <laughs> on the same page of results you can get Jimmy Dean Delights Frittatas. <laughs> That's bacon, mine too, ham huh? and veggies. Those are yours? Wow. That's my Yeah, yeah, I make sausages too. Mm. Cool. Mm. Okay, well then you should then you should make toolboxes out of sausage. You should have like sausage. You actually chips. get to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is that just so everybody like understands retail, this is a test. This is just a test. If this doesn't work, you know, we they say they want to continue to work with us, whether it's this product or some other product. But this little product is a test rollout. So it's really great that you know people on social media are helping it out because I don't know how, uh, you know, it's not, it's not every day. They, it's not every product that can rely on social media. You know, it's more big ad campaigns and stuff. So it's really useful that everybody's helping me. So thank you very much. Because uh, they're going to roll out. We did 60,000 pieces as a test in, in 400 stores. Hmm. So if they go to 4,000 stores, the order would be 
375,000 pieces. Woo. That's up from that's a big know, 60, number. 60,000. <laughs> yeah, that's our test now is that's a lot of plywood. That's crazy. So, I know you're not going to say like what the actual things are, but if this test goes mm-hmm. well with these three products, is it three? Yeah. That's that right. Now? <clears throat> oh, there's four, but one of them is a tray, which seems to be kind of the one that's like the I thought it would be cool if a kid could build a tray for his mom or her mom and they could use it like as a serving tray oh, in, in yeah. the house. And and I use it in the workshop. It's, it's like in my toolbox video, you see me dump all the hardware into it. And so. so if the tests with these four go well, how many more designs do you have like ready to or oh, I, we got ideas? A, we got a, yeah, we got we got a whole bunch of notes and you know, but we're actually right now where we're submitting ideas for Christmas Q four. So hmm. Q4, by the way, means fourth quarter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, industry speak. <laughs> uh, so crazy. Know so, what the ROI is on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the uh, we're, <laughs> we're submitting ideas for Christmas right now. That's Right cool. now. And we're like, the deadline is... Yeah, well, it is snowing. Thursday. Yeah, the deadline <laughs> The deadline is Thursday. So, uh, yeah. D- uh, Dave, is it... How is the weather in the Midwest? Is it bad? Because it's coming this way, I think. It's it's bonkers. So yesterday, well, we had a snowstorm last weekend um, o- over two days. And then it was 55 degrees for two days. And now it's back down to freezing. And it's we got flurries. I don't know. We're supposed to get a couple inches over the next couple of days. But up and down all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. We've had similar weather here. It's been really rainy. I don't know if we're actually going to get any snow or not. But I was looking at the weather for Atlanta because... We're going to WorkbenchCon this week, and it's mm-hmm. going to be in the 70s. So, you know. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going, uh, I'm, I'm leaving here tonight. Me and Derek have something to do with Total Boat on Monday. So I'm going to drive to Derek's tonight, and we're going to fly into Atlanta tomorrow morning. That would be Thursday, and then be at WorkbenchCon for the two days, and then we leave Sunday, and then I have some time in Boston. So I'm going to miss the storm. It's going to happen while we're away. It's supposedly going to hit the New York area, the New York Northeast area while we're gone. So hopefully some of it will be melted by Sunday. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, so we're going to WorkbenchCon this weekend. We're going to miss you, David. Wish you were there. Sorry. Well, yeah, it's okay. But I was just letting you know that we're going to miss you. You don't have to uh-huh. apologize for it. But I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I'm not really yeah. excited about traveling, to be honest. Like, the, the idea of traveling to a place, it's been a long time. And I have not missed that part of it. But I am excited to see people in real life. Yeah. I want to throw this out there to anybody listening. Given the state of the world, I'm probably not receiving hugs except for Jimmy. <laughs> I want to hug <laughs> Jimmy. Jimmy Duresta hugs well, are the COVID's best over. hugs. And <laughs> COVID's it's over. over. We're, we're done. Thank goodness. Yeah, it's over, at least in Atlanta, at this hotel we're going to. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jimmy, are yeah. you driving? Because you don't fly very often. No, I, I was going yeah, to drive, and me and Derek were talking about driving, and then at the last minute we're like, I have so much to do, and so we just decided to fly. This way we can get more done this week. Yeah, probably makes sense. But I'm looking forward to to seeing everybody. One thing that's kind of weird is uh, this year, last night Jenny was asking me, like, who all is going to be there this year? Because she's not going to be able to come. The plan was that our whole team, and including Jenny, was going to come down. We now have two dogs, so she's going to stay home and handle the kids and the dogs. Um, but she was asking me who all was going to be there, and I was going through the list of people that I know. And the list of people I know who are going to be there is very small. There may be a lot of other people that I personally know that are going to be there that I'm not aware of. 
but it was kind of weird going into it like, oh, this isn't like a Maker Faire situation where there's going to be every person I've ever met is going to show up at this one place and get to see yeah. them. So I'm not exactly sure how, who all is going to be there. Um, Bob, are you guys doing a presentation? We are. We're doing um, a Fusion class on Friday at 4.30. Oh, cool. We're going to kind of intro people to Fusion. And if you're going to be there, we're going to have a discount code significant discount code for you to use for our fusion course in case you want to learn more of it it's a good and then course. i'm it's a really good course <laughs> thank you um and then i'm also doing a keynote on saturday morning Ooh. so yeah and we were throwing around doing another talk about team like team building but i don't know if that ever made it to the schedule or not so maybe. bob did you happen to see when my talk is <laughs> no i didn't it's oh, not my job <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering if you happen to see, like, if I was before or after. I don't know. <laughs> Not my job. Yeah. The schedule came in the mail. I didn't look at it. I was like, oh, cool. I They've been updating the schedule the last couple of days on their website. So that that's probably the best place to yeah. look. I'm supposed to do a, I'm supposed to do, well, me and Patrick are going to talk about workshop electricity and uh, the so-called dream shop that I'm sitting in right now. And we're going to talk about the genesis of making decisions. And I have a big slideshow from beginning to end. And uh, I'm supposed to work with Tamara Robinson uh, and uh, uh, on uh, her maker science thing. She was going to interview me. I was going to be part of the panel that she's doing with um, Nick. I've never met her. Nick's she seems person. like she'd be a lot of fun. I'd like to. to she's awesome. She's she's incredible. She's so sweet, and you know, she's just her enthusiasm is so infectious. Everything she does is just so upbeat and and lovable. So she's she's great. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be nice to be around some like-minded people for a little bit. Uh, what's What's been going on? What have you guys been up to? Well, I've been busy. Uh, well, I did my toolbox video. Everyone seems to like that. It's like the first video I got that's like breaking some, uh, you know, some of my average numbers. So that's good. And uh, I'm glad because it was a video for Starrett. You know, they're they're not a brand that's used to doing social media stuff. And then... Gerstner is the toolbox company that gave me the hardware. And, and uh, I talked about this before that Juan introduced me to the hardware company. But a couple of guys behind the scenes are like, wow, I can't believe you got Gerstner to pay attention to like social media. They usually, mm. they are such a like set in their ways old Midwestern company. Mm. And they, they don't, they don't, they make handmade toolboxes. They don't need like millions of numbers. They're totally set and they're, they're happy to be bumping along at the pace that they are because they've been around for a hundred years. And, but, uh, I got them to pay a little attention and they, they gave me a code, a discount code to put into the thing. It's funny. There's a discount code and I say where I got the hardware, but every other comment is, where'd you get the hardware? Where'd you get the hardware? <laughs> it's cool hardware. Where'd you get the felt? Where'd you get the hardware? And anyway, it, it's all, all the answers are in there description and then so this week i knew that i wasn't gonna have a video ready so i didn't try i'm just working on my presentation working on my keynote speech in keynote on the mac just doing a slideshow and uh working on a couple things here around the house and uh you know i had a big scare this week and i just just to warn everybody you know we keep talking about how you got to enjoy life and just enjoy the you know while you're here I was walking the other night by myself from the house to the shop or from the shop to the house and I slipped on the ice and I felt so bad. Ooh. I banged my head severely on the ground backwards. Wow. I, my chest and my shoulders and my rib cage, like the roof of my mouth hurts. That's how bad I, I hit the ground. Dang. And I, I, I felt it coming. I'm walking and it just lightly snowed on top of the existing ice and it's like, I shouldn't be in this. I shouldn't be here. I need to step in the deep snow. And just as I went to move, 
everything just came out from underneath me and, and I fell backwards and it was a real scare. But I, I got to the house, I called Taylor and Ryan, the guy that lives with, lives in my house, his brother was an emergency room doctor. So Ryan got his brother on the phone immediately and started asking me all the symptoms that I might've felt. And he says, you probably just have a mild concussion. He goes, it's obviously not, uh, you know, as serious as it could be. So wow. I never lost, I never lost like vision or consciousness or anything. It was just, I was just more than anything. I was just very scared that, wow, I just had a very bad head bang from the ice. So yeah. I have these cleats that Taylor bought me to, cause I'm always walking back and forth from the house and it's icy. So they like snap onto the bottom of your shoes. They're just like rubber things. And I, as I was leaving the shop, I was like, I should put my cleats on. And I was like, ah, forget it. I had an armful of stuff. And I was just like, I'll just walk up to the house slowly. And kablooey. This reminds you that, you know, things could change in a second. Thank God I'm okay. But yeah. just a fair warning to everybody. Now I, I step out of the house and I like, I like I'm stepping onto ice everywhere I go. <laughs> if oh, I see yeah. ice like five feet away, I'm already like tensing up and get, <laughs> getting ready. Like I need to walk with a set of ski poles now. But no, it's a scary thing. So just watch yourselves out there, especially so, now that the weather's coming back. I'm glad you're okay, first off. Thank you. Um, second of all, you should definitely make a moving sidewalk that goes from your house to the barn. <laughs> that way you don't or have tow to... tow rope. Yeah, yeah, like a, yeah, ski rope. You just get on it, and all you have to do is be still, and eventually you'll get there. And then you don't have to worry about falling down. Well, you know, I have the side-by-side, by uh, Polaris side-by-side. It's an old one. It's uh, it doesn't always start, especially when it's cold. So I just never go near it. And uh, the other day it was running good. And Rob Rojas spent a couple of days up here making ice picks with us. And he says, uh, he goes, how come you don't use the Polaris to go up and down? I go, it's so cold. I don't want the wind blowing on me. I'd rather walk. It's not quite as cold when you're walking than when you get on the Polaris at the open front, no windshield, and it's like freezing. Did you ever see ET? Yeah. Do you remember in ET they like tented the house? Where the alien was, and they had all these oh, like, yeah. and they had this big like inflatable tunnel that ran from mm-hmm. outside the <laughs> in the cul-de-sac all the way up to the house. You could do that. Then all of the that snow was. and the rain and everything would stay outside. There'd be no wind, and it looked salt. like you had an alien in your shop. And that, the other thing too is is that you know we don't want to salt a lot because the dogs run everywhere. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Know, like, salt. Let's not worry the about house. the do- let's not worry about the dogs' paws. Let's just salt everything. Yeah, the salt is is the absolute. We have to salt, so yeah. you know the delivery drivers can get to the house, yes, but the exactly dogs right. step on it, and then it just gets all over the house. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, I'm okay. So Good. just be careful out there. Wear your cleats. <sighs> yeah, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, but like I said, I hit the ground so hard, like my neck hurts, my shoulders hurt, the front of my chest hurts. Hmm. The roof of my mouth hurts when I swallow. And last night I was working in here welding and I had my welding helmet on. And you know, when you put your welding helmet on, you give it like a tight crank so that it doesn't fall off when you flip it up. Mm -hmm. So I put it on, gave it a tight crank, welded for about 15 minutes and then took it off and realized my whole head hurt from having that crank too tight. So I had to keep welding. I just put it on loosely. But that like, by putting the welding helmet on too tight, it kind of brought some of the skull pain back huh anyway, i mean are you careful. gonna get get checked out yeah yeah willie checked me out he says i'm okay <laughs> i mean i knew the answer was no but no, i want to say willie. it anyway because <laughs> <laughs> no doc, willie's not here so i have to go make an appointment with Willie. no uh you know i i i, I considered going to the emergency room 
And uh, once I spoke to Lee, that's uh, Ryan's brother, and he gave me all these symptoms. He's actually an emergency room doctor, so he uh, asked me all the right questions. And he says, you're going to be, he goes, you're probably going to be fine. He goes, you'll be achy from getting banged up. He goes, Mm -hmm. but you'll be fine. My wife, Kelly, is a speech pathologist. And uh, with her job, she mostly works with with kids at at her clinic. But uh, once a month, she has to work in the hospital on call. And they, they use, uh, a lot of times when somebody's in an accident or has a head trauma, they bring in a speech therapist to ask questions and they can use how that person talks and their speech patterns to, to determine yeah. if there's a brain injury. It's it's bonkers. Wow. I don't get it. She does amazing stuff. Well, Ryan, when Ryan realized I was injured, because, well, when Ryan realized I fell, Taylor texted him. She's like, go check on Jimmy's at the house. Because I just left Ryan. I was walking up to the house and... Ryan ran up to the house and he comes inside right away. He goes, do you know who the president is? I was like, yeah, it's Donald Trump. <laughs> what? What's wrong? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway, so he came in asking me questions. He was already in contact with his brother, getting ready to start talking to me. So anyway, that's all. <laughs> but uh, it's an easy week for me knowing that I'm going to be traveling. And it's nice not to have to jump. I, I am working on uh, that project right there. Mm. Uh, so that's something I'm working on. So I'm doing a little bit of that, and uh, that'll be down the road. But that yeah. project right where? Right there. Right there. See that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. One pointing at something in the background. So uh, that's it. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, David, what about you? I am working. Uh, I got this jig. So there. If you've ever tried to make tapered staves so you have like a six or eight sided piece and it tapers down it gets really complicated it takes like it it takes a scientific calculator and trigonometry to figure out the angles because you've got your miter gauge set at one angle you've got your blade they keep compounding every time you flip it one more yeah so and it depends on and things get complicated because it depends on how much of a taper you want and how much you want your radius or diameter to to be at the top or at the bottom and it's just it's a it your average person cannot figure this out so there are lookup tables that you can use to help figure this out matthias wando has a great pdf that you can download and it's it's a lookup table well this guy matt invented this jig to and it has like a little pin index and you you put this pin where uh you choose how many sides you want and then it, it changes part of this angle of this jig, and then you can use that to set your blade angle. And then another part of this jig flips out, and you use that to set your miter gauge angle. It's a it's a bonkers jig, and so I, it was a Indiegogo campaign. I backed it. I got the jig, and I've been sitting on it for like a month and a half. And I finally used it, and it's amazing. Like it is, it is a hmm. really super cool jig. And so uh, I cut a couple, just pieces on a plywood to, to test it and it worked great and i'm like well what can i what do i need to make and i just watched this video about uh making coffee with a mocha pot and it has eight sides that are that are tapered that go in and i was like i'll, I'll try to recreate a, a mocha pot so that's what i'm working on right now and uh it's it's a totally like useless project it's one of those things like I, it's going to be an art piece so I'm making this mocha pot out of walnut. It's coming out really cool. It looks it looks awesome. I'm thinking this video is kind of kind of focus 
on the jig and then it shows me making the mocha pot but i might take that mocha pot that i make and then also like make a mug that's broken and then use some epoxy to look like spilled coffee and kind of make it like this little art piece so it's cool maybe part one of of two videos but super cool jig i don't know i don't understand how somebody could even invent something like this because it has all these different weird angles i don't know how the human brain can think of things like mm. this but it's really cool interesting um i i was probably going to save this for later on but the um podcast uh no dumb questions the most recent episode is what is calculus mm. and it talks about which is for me as somebody who never took calculus i really don't have a clear understanding of what same that is and so i'm not finished listening to it but the way that Destin, who's just really good at explaining things, explains calculus is pretty interesting. And it it feeds into that thing that you're just talking about. Like, it's really hard to imagine without context how the brain can think through <laughs> all of that math, to you know, in a sequence that makes sense. Like, in a, yeah. especially in relation to something physical that you're, you have to create. And I, listening to him talk about it, I'm like, oh, like, I don't really get it yet, but I do get how, how somebody could get it. So there's steps. Like, you, there's things that you have yeah. a general understanding of, and then you apply that to the situation. My video yeah. pick of the week is a guy, he made a 25-minute video that explains how to do the, the math and the formula. I'll, I'll talk about that more later. But you have to do one trigonometry formula to then figure out what your next formula is to your next formula. Because when you have, um, let's say it's eight sides, and it's it's four inches up top, and two inches at the bottom, the taper or the angle at the top is actually a different angle from the angle at the bottom. And that's why it gets really complicated. And you can't just, so if you have yeah. four sides, you can't just set your miter angle to the taper that you want and put your blade at 45 degrees because that 45 degrees is not going to go together well. It's, it's more of a visual thing. I don't know how to explain it, but tapers are yeah. bonkers. That seems like something that you could make um, you could build parametrically in fusion mm. and then be able to generate the numbers. I mean, obviously having a jig will let you mm -hmm. physically turn it into something. So maybe that wouldn't be useful if you have a jig like that and having the numbers doesn't really matter. But I feel like you could, you know, be able to parametrically set that up in fusion so that you could change the number of sides, change the diameter and all oh, that yeah. type of stuff. And it I'm, would I'm react sure and give you the... Because yeah. it's all formulas. Um, right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you could. Speaking hmm. of Fusion, I've been playing with a new 3D drawing program called Shaper 3D. Hmm. And um, it works really well. I've been really, really happy with it. Like, Fusion is great because Fusion does a thousand things. I only need... 10% of those things. And this Shaper 3D program that I've been playing with does those 10% of those things that I need like really well. It's very responsive. It's it's the first 3D program that I've used that actually feels like a Mac program and works well on the Mac. Like Fusion, I have, this is not a diss against Fusion because what they, the, the software they make is absolutely incredible. But I have the fastest MacBook Pro you can possibly get. I have their top of the line maxed out. Fusion 360 takes a good 40 seconds to open up, if not longer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to open up yeah. on my Mac. 
and then I'll get yeah, the, the, the little too. beach ball every every once in a while, and it you know it drives me nuts. Um, I think that's also because it's like web based too. There's a lot going on between. Maybe so, but anyway, that's that's my rant. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I've heard I I've noticed used Shaper uses- years and years ago, and it was good at the time. But I know that it's changed a lot since then. It started off know. as a as a iPad only app, and hmm. and then they released the Mac version, and now they have a Windows version that you can download, and it's it's this. So I have I have a an iPad. It's the same program on the iPad as it is on the computer. The exact same. It's not like a watered down version. It works really well with the Apple Pencil, and so in all of their tutorial videos. Um, you know they're they're using the Apple Pencil on on the tablet, and I prefer on the computer. But there's another one. This is Shaper 3D, S H A P R 3D. There's another program that's called something very similar, like maybe Shape 3D or something. I don't know. So uh, it, it's a, it's a little confusing. But anyway, I'm gonna make a video cool. about it eventually. Cool. Yep. I was going to say when Taylor starts Fusion, she like starts it and then leaves the room and comes back like 20 <laughs> <Right>. minutes later. <laughs> because it takes so long to upload and get started. Yeah, I'm going to put a link to Shaper in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, so for me, we probably are not having a video come out this week. We were going to skip next week, but the video that's supposed to come out this week is waiting on approval, so we're just going to probably swap them, I would imagine. Um, but this past Sunday, I went out to the farm and had a guy here in town come out and blast the Carmagia. I told you guys that that was going to happen. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. So cool. Um, just, it took him, he got out there about nine o'clock and finished at about maybe three, three thirty-four, something, somewhere in there. I kind of lost track. It took him a really long time. Uh, doing it by himself, but you know, every 30, uh, not 30, every hour or so he would stop, take a little break and we would chat and he was a super nice guy. Um, we talked about all sorts of stuff. He gave me a lot of tips on, he's working on a car, you know, he has, he blasts for a lot of other people who are working on cars. And so he gave me a lot of like, Oh, so-and-so uses this for, you know, to seal this part or for sound dampening or for whatever. So I got some good recommendations from somebody with more experience which is great. Um, turned out that the the rot on the car was pretty much what I expected, maybe a little bit better. Hmm. Uh, I was I was worried that a lot of the stuff that I just couldn't see, the you know, the areas that you just cannot get to would be completely gone when, <laughs> you know, the body filler was pulled out of them or whatever. And there's still some body filler that I have to remove. Like, it doesn't blast off as well. That's more. Yeah, that, I'm sure that reveals so many hidden secrets yeah. when you do that. But, but no, there were, it didn't reveal any disasters. So there wasn't a whole part that was just completely bondo. No, that's good. No, not really. No, there wasn't anything made out of ramen noodles. <laughs> and <sand blue. laughs> not that I've found yet. Maybe that's under the bondo. The the two <laughs> rear quarter panels both have been hit or something, and so there's a lot of bondo there, and. Uh, so those are going to be definitely big areas of concern and, you know, a lot of work's going to have to go into those. So I got like a spot welder. I'm going to try to pull some of that once I can get the things pulled off. 
I'm just diving into all these things that I have no business doing and no yeah. experience with at all. And it's really exciting. I'm I am really happy. It makes you think. About it. As I say, it makes you think like cars in the 70s and the 60s just bounced off each other constantly. Because anytime you get an old car, invariably there's like one inch thick Bondo somewhere. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Well, I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, that car is 50 years old. It's bound yeah. to it. There's like no way that a car would not have been in wrecks and stuff. Or, you know, mm. a shopping just cart like ran me. into <laughs> it or whatever. Um, <laughs> but it, it's been really cool just in the past couple of days to, you know, to see it bare. And then I, I as soon as he was done, I uh, sprayed on this afterblast stuff on it, which is a zinc phosphate coating. And you just spray it on with sprayer, you know, like a, a squirt bottle and let it dry and then kind of wipe it off. And it puts a, a coat on the surface to stop it from flash rusting. And then when you're ready to paint, you can just kind of scuff it and prime right on top of it. So I was able to keep it bare at least for a little bit so that I can really examine all the parts. So I went around and took pictures of, you know, all the way around the car and then inside underneath it a little bit where I know that there's some rot. And so that I have on my phone each panel, each area, so that I can go to these websites and look for replacement panels where they're needed. You know, some places, if there's a little hole, I can patch the hole. But if a lot of the lower wraparound curved, compound curved panels, just they're like half there. And so like trying to recreate that and patch that, sure, I could, or I could buy a $70 piece of stamped steel that is that shape, and I can just cut it out and put in a new one. So I went around to a couple websites that have replacement sheet metal for these things and and bought a whole lot of them. <laughs> but I have a video, like we all get video suggestion ideas every day, all day, but I have one for you. Yeah. While you have yeah. the body up on uh, on the rotisserie to make a photogrammetry, photogrammetry Ooh. Uh, video project. So scan, you know, you take... 2,000 photos of it and then put it in your 3D program and then you have a 3D model of the body. Possibly mm. test out some different paint colors, ideas. So it's a good idea. That's a lot of photos, but yeah, it's yeah. a good idea. <laughs> you th that's so, that's something you have Anthony do. That's true. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening right now going, wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's pretty exciting to see it in the state that it is right now and you know, I've got a bunch of stuff ordered for it. And and while I, he was working on the body that day, I was working on the chassis, starting to really tear off the... There's this, like, mat. This I guess it's, like, sound-dampening mat or something. I don't know what it is, but it's this kind of neoprene-like stuff that's glued to the chassis, to the, to the center channel. And so you have to peel it up to get to the metal underneath to then tear out the metal to get the floor pans off. So it's a multi-stage, you know, and then there's seam sealer underneath this stuff, which is really gooey, kind of gross caulking type stuff that's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you expose that, I don't know what it is, but as soon as you expose that stuff to air, it turns into this like hard jelly. Mm. It's, mm. it's really gross. gross. So stepping yeah. on it, like my shoes would stick to it. I'd pull up a section and I'd move on to the next one. And then I'd be stuck to the chassis and I'd have to like rip it out of my boots. <laughs> so it was an interesting day, a lot of fun uh, to dig into that stuff. But um, since then, we've been running the, uh, the air tool system that I talked about doing 
ran that the other day in the shop and we're making a video about that. A lot of people responded to that. Had a yeah, lot I of a lot of people uh, you know, send in recommendations about, you know, sheet metal tools and and books on sheet metal and chemicals for this kind of spray and that kind of spray. It's been really helpful. So I'm really excited, really motivated on the Karma Gear right now and there's a huge amount of work ahead, but um kind of chomping at the bit to really get started on it, you know. So that's pretty cool. Mm. Mm. That's what I've been into, mm. I suppose. Have you been paying uh, have you been watching do you watch Paul Pinto? Paul Pinto is restoring a nineteen fifty three Ford. I don't keep up and, with most people's videos, but I did see that he was doing that. I have not seen any of them yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, his Instagram, I think, is really where he's at right now. I don't even know if he's he's, he's really not keen on making videos lately, only because it just takes too much time mm. out of what he's really focused on. But he's been replacing what seems like unnecessary panels in the car. But, you know, he says you just, they just don't show up on camera. A lot of the little patches he's putting in is just full of pinholes. So he says mm. it's easy to put new metal in because he sandblasted the car himself. And a lot of pinholes show up in various spots. So he's really, really going to to college on this one. As yeah. I say, going to school, you know, learning how to shape the metal and then weld it in place. And a, a big mistake I made when I was in high school working on a car is I just welded. I was like, welded around the hall and look back and all of a sudden everything was like potato chipped yeah. and changed shape. Right. So you got to control heat, just like zap, 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 zap as you weld stuff in. So he's learning all that and using dollies and the hammers and shaping. So he's doing that all on Instagram. I was watching a video First time ever. last night that on uh, Eastwood's YouTube channel, I, I just searched and then ended up at this video. But they were restoring a muscle car, and I don't remember what it was. But this guy who's running this show had several of his friends come in to help on the body work so they could get a whole bunch of man hours all at once. And so they had different specialties. One guy did body filler, and he gave a bunch of tips about you know doing seams really nicely and about packing a seam with a foam and then body filling it and then using like a razor blade on the end of a piece of wood to you know, create little gaps. And then after it dries, you pull the foam out and you've got like a perfect gap, stuff like that, that I never, ever would have even considered. But also one of the things I thought was really cool was a guy put in a patch, like you're talking about, put in a little, or maybe, no, it was a, it was a pucker that was already there from somebody doing the work that you're talking about where they had potato chipped it and it had like, it had stretched out. And so his example was to take a torch and, uh, heat in a small area to like cherry red and then while that was hot hammer around it not on the hot mm. but he had a dolly in the back of it and used a certain type of hammer and I don't know all the specifics so I'll probably get something wrong but he hammered around to let the the puckered part that was now red and fluid to push, flatten push itself flat. out and so he was hitting the non-red part to draw that red mm. part into a flat and yeah, that's yeah. that seems like pretty simple when you say it like that it makes a lot of sense but yeah. i never mm-hmm. ever would have considered that that was a, a thing to do to get rid yeah. of a wrinkle yeah, also, you know what it is too it's like when you're heating up sheet metal it goes through stages just like glass where glass will break before it melts but if you hit it really hot quickly it'll melt really quickly sheet metal is the same thing like if you introduce slow heat to it all of a sudden it's stuck on yeah but if you hit it really quickly with like a torch right where you want it then it gets red right away and you could also blow a hole through it, so you got to be really careful. Mm. Sheet metal is really tricky. I'm, I mean, I'm no professional at it. I just know from my own personal experience that you could immediately weld right through it or torch right through it. 
yeah. or completely potato chip it with just like vague heat, even like distant heat. If you come near it with a torch and you you know you're still ten inches away, you're thinking like, oh, you know, you could always tell how hot a torch is. Just feel like the air like 10, 20, 30 feet in front of it. That's the metals absorbing that and deforming it. Right. So you got to be careful. Uh, the guy that was doing the sandblasting, David, do you have something? I was just going to say the host of that series that you're talking about is Kevin Tetz or Tez. Uh, he has a online course on painting cars called Paintucation. And I purchased. Oh, is that the one you watched? That's, yeah, that's oh, okay. the one I watched. It's like four hundred dollars for the course, but it's 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 really good. But go ahead. Now, does that cover like the entire process from bare metal up to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. getting? Wow. It, it, okay. it talks about uh, removing and um, doing body work, and then uh, and then painting. It focuses mostly on on your you know your base coat, and then you know clear coats and and primers and all that but it does it does go over removing paint and body work okay um i was gonna say another thing that the guy who was sandblasting told me which i wouldn't have considered when he had the car upside down he was blasting obviously the outer the outside of it is the priority you know we're trying to get that down to bare metal because that's the thing you're really going to see and most of the body is made up of uh, a double layer panel. So you have the outer shell and then right inside of it, you have a more structural piece that matches up and they're welded together and you can't get to those interior panels and stuff like that. On the roof, it doesn't have that. It's a single piece of curved, thin, well, I mean, it may be double, I don't know, but it's it's it. there's no gap in between whatever it is. It's a single piece that runs front to back. And so when he had it on its side, he was telling me that, you know, I'm going to blast the outside of the roof, get it completely clean, and then I'm just going to stand back on the inside of the car and just knock it from a few feet back and just try to knock off the surface rust that's there and the adhesive for the headliner. I'm not going to get in close and actually sandblast it because if I sandblast both sides of a thin sheet, it will pucker from the second side. So... Mm. Apparently, that sandblasting, which he was using, like a creates heat. I don't, I don't know if it's heat or if it. I don't, I don't know. I didn't really understand why that would happen because I can't imagine but, there's a lot of heat, but maybe there is. There's a lot of friction. Um, but basically, he did the outside, got it really clean and nice looking, and on the inside, stood back away from it and just kind of knocked off surface rust. And then he said, you know, the best way to get rid of the rest of that is just flap disc, and it's a nice big smooth surface. It's easy to do so. He did all the around the corners and worked on that to make sure that it was, you know, the hard stuff to get to was gone. But that was something I had never really considered, that sandblasting from two sides of a material could deform hmm. the material. But apparently it can. No, that's funny. I never knew that. Yeah. So I learned a whole lot. Um, and he was, like I said, he was a really nice guy and offered to, I had him do the the body the and then all of the, the doors, uh, hood, trunk lid, which I had already started stripping paint off of, so they were pretty clean, but he went ahead and cleaned them all up. And then he he was like, yeah, you want me to do the chassis too? I said, well, I hadn't really planned on that. I was going to do it myself just because I figured you wouldn't come back out for a day just to do this little, because it's really just like a center channel. But anyway, he offered to come back and give me a deal on doing that whenever I'm ready. So I still have to strip everything off of it, you know, and get it completely clean before he could um, actually blast it. But that was kind of cool because I was expecting that thing to be a lot of extra work that I was going to have to get to. And 
he was willing to come back out and do it for, for cheap. So, you know, that'll help push that along a little bit. Um, anyway, so that, that's what I've been up to. And the project that we have coming out next week uh, is a gaming table, which is it's like a conference room that turns into a game table and it has some really cool electronics in it and a projector is involved and it's pretty cool. I'm really excited about it. So that's what's up. Um, You had a topic idea. I did. The other day I was, uh, I said to myself, I need to get better at this. And I was like, Oh yeah. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if this is a podcast topic. So the topic and the question I have is what do you need to get better at? which is different than what do you want to get better at? Mm. Uh, so um, yeah. <laughs> one of the, one of the things that I struggle with is I have these waves of emotion. I get really excited about something. And for that week I am all in, or I'll have a video that does really well. And I'm like super excited. And then the next week I have a video that doesn't do well. And I'll, I'll, like, oh, everything is ruined. This is all like I just have these waves and I need to I need to flatten that out a little bit so I don't get so excited or so disappointed. <laughs> right. And uh, and and that's kind of kind of where it started. And then of course I want to I want to I want the business to be around for a long time. I want to grow the business. So there's things that I want to I want to get better at. And I want to be able to I want to get better at working with other with other people. I'm a, I think I'm a, a, I'm a terrible boss because I don't, I am not comfortable telling other people what to do. So anytime, like my brother's been helping me, you know, with shipping and uh, cleaning up the shop and, and various other things around the shop. And I'm like, so this needs to be done. You can do it if you want to. If you don't want to, don't worry about it. Like, I can't just say, like, do the thing. So one of the other things is I just got to get better at working with other people and just saying what I want. So, yeah. question to you guys okay. is what do you need to get better at? Mm. Bob, you want to take it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, okay. I, yesterday I was reading something, trying to read something, and I got to the end of this thing and realized that I had just skimmed it. And I didn't actually get the information out of it that I needed to get. And that is definitely something that I do. I get in my mind that I'm in too much of a hurry to really pay attention to, if I'm, especially if I'm researching something. I'm looking, and I've always skimmed well, I guess, but if I'm looking to find out a certain thing, I will run through an article just looking for highlights, looking for the word that I'm actually drawn to rather than just reading up to it because then I would actually have the full piece of information not just the like one little nugget and I think because of that I will uh, a lot of times just skip over things that would have been useful to know or get an incomplete picture of the thing that I'm trying to research or completely miss something because if I'm skimming and I miss the thing that I'm looking for and I just keep going then I've I missed it, and if I had taken the time to actually read, even quickly, then I would have not skipped over it. So I think doing more research in general about things and taking my time there would probably be kind of, you know, think of it as like pre-production. That would make whatever I do after that point more productive Hmm. and better and more informed. But when I kind of discount that up front... 
and just try to hurry through the research thing or hurry through finding something that I need to know. And it comes back to bite me often later. So I think I need to skim less, Hmm. read more probably. Yeah, I do that a lot. I'm always just looking for the information. How many times do you just click through 500 YouTube videos waiting for the video to start with the answer (laughs) you're looking for? Yeah. Hello, everybody. And you like click next one. Hey, welcome back to click next one. You just want the answer to be, it's the battery that you need is this one. Yeah. (laughs) Ten minutes later, they they say, okay, well, let's just jump into it. No, you should have jumped into it (laughs) in 30 seconds. (laughs) Well, okay, so that Eastwood video I was talking about is a prime example of that. I got to that video because I was looking for, I don't even remember what I was looking for now, but it was one piece of information about priming or about sound dampening or something. I don't know. But it was like a 30-minute video put together by people who knew what they were doing, covering a big section of a car, not just like one little topic. And if I had spent 30 minutes watching that, I would have walked away with a little bit of information about a lot of mm. things. But instead, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this dude's not interesting. What about this guy? <laughs> nope, that's not. That's the wrong guy. What about this guy? And I skipped through, <laughs> and I found those moments of... This is how you do the seam with the body filler. Okay, well, cool. I'll learn that thing. Now let's just skip ahead. Oh, look, there's a guy doing metal work. Uh, I learned one little thing from him and then skip. But I missed out on a lot of information. Yeah, there's That's a prime info, um, example. There's a YouTube channel called ARC Racing. And it's uh, ARC, they sell go-kart parts and performance parts for go-kart engines. And they have an amazing YouTube channel where a- this engine builder We'll do these live streams. Uh, I used to do them all the time. There's not so many now, but the live streams are all an hour and a half about, and there'll be a subject, but it takes like 30 minutes to get into that subject. Or a lot of times it's, it's about a class of engine or a type of engine that I don't need to know about for my purposes. But I've sat through all 40 videos of that are all like an hour to an hour and a half. It's because there's a little bit of, there'll be this little nugget of information that just, you know, has nothing to do with the actual subject. But I'm like, oh my goodness, that pieces together so many things for me. And so I've pushed myself to listen to all 40 videos just because there's that little bit of hmm. that, that information that I needed. Hmm. I don't have that patience. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I did. And, and I need to. <clears throat> I mean, we've talked about like online courses before, how like we've bought different ones. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think last time we talked about that, I bought a guitar course. And now I can't even remember the situation. But I remember buying this thing thinking, I'm investing money oh, yeah. I've been there. to overcome my yeah. impatience with delivery. <laughs> and like, I'm, I've now spent money to sit here and like, convince myself to listen to this guy who obviously knows what he's talking about. I can learn a ton from him to get better at something. So I tried to set that up for myself to not be impatient, and I never did the course. Oh, <laughs> I did a little bit of it, <laughs> but then I just I just stopped doing it. Just never had the time. Yeah, and it's it's the same thing. You know, I, I wish I had that patience. That's definitely something I need mm. to do better at. Yeah. What about you, Jimmy? I'm sitting here thinking what I need to get better at is obviously organizing. But I, I lately I've been doing this uh, a little bit of an exercise 
And Bob, I made a joke and some people picked up on it where I said, just look through a cardboard tube and, you know, just focus on that, whatever you're looking through yeah. at the tube. And when I cleaned the shop, I just had tools everywhere recently because I did this big chest. And I just look at each individual thing or groups of things and say, okay, what am I going to do with these? Instead of coming in the shop and being so overwhelmed and then just leaving or just making more of a mess, just starting with something new. Instead of saying like, oh, well, the screw, the drill, everything's all out already. So let me just leave it here because I'm going to roll right into my next project. I've been trying to get better at just resetting the room. And, uh, you know, that's what Aaron was really good at. Aaron liked always having the, like a reset. And so, you know, he's inspired me to do that more often instead of just leaving everything out just because it's always getting used. And I'm going to pick on Eric for a minute. Eric, my, my buddy, Hand Tool Rescue, when he does instagram videos of his shop it's a mess and he he'll like put something on the corner of the table and then like a year later he'll like point that it's still in the same <laughs> spot so i i can easily become that so i want to make sure that the shop is always reset ready and uh this shop is pretty good i'm in the, the big black barn the one down the block it's it's a little messy right now it's it's like an organized chaos because i got pallets of stuff and tools on pallets because it's been so cold and there's been ice and snow outside. And so, and the, the, the heat in here is constant. The heat over there is only when we're there, we turn it on. And then an hour after we start hanging out there, it starts to become comfortable. So that place is a little bit of a disaster zone right now. But the idea of just looking at your table and saying, okay, here is this tool. Okay, where does this go? And then you go put it over. Instead of trying to be like, oh, let me get everything in my arms and just walk around the room and put them away. I do that too. If I'm going to go over there, I go, okay, whatever. what else has to go into that same location? So like grab those few things and then uh, just slowly peck away at the task at hand instead of being overwhelmed and being like, whoa, let me just start. Let me just find another clean surface in the shop to build my project on. Yeah. Which, you know, is so easy to do. You just the table could be covered with stuff and you go, oh, let me just set up a new table. Now all of a sudden you have a whole new surface that's just going to collect things. Yeah. So the idea of like forcing myself to reset the room is has always been difficult. But now I'm trying to roll it into part of the task. I remember as a kid when me and my dad would do construction work, I was always his helper. He'd always say, the job's not done till all the tools are put away. Mm. Hmm. Somewhere along the line, I said, "Yeah, I'm done. I got my last shot. Let's go ahead." <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I had written down in preparation for this that I need to get better at putting things away when I'm done with them. So a, a yeah, step before that, exactly uh, before there's a yeah. pile <laughs> that I have to put away. Yeah. Because I have a, a bad habit of like, I'm done with this thing to move on filming. I'm just going to set it right here, and then I have that pile. But it takes the same amount of time to put something away, whether it's now or later. And if you, it's kind of like, um, have I ever told you my thoughts on like matching socks? Uh, no, please do. Or, or shirts in and out. Okay. Yeah. This is fascinating. I'm sure to everybody. <laughs> so I don't, I don't match no, my I got kids. Bins. I'm, what? I'm showing you guys bins. I'm going to talk about them in a minute. I don't match my kids socks when we do laundry. They do their own laundry too. We all do laundry in our house. But when socks come out of the dryer, I put them in the right basket for the right person. And I don't want to spend the time that it takes for either one for in that moment to match socks because that person will have to find those socks when they go to wear those socks. The same for shirts being inside out. Our kids take the shirts off, pants off, and they're inside out because they're lazy. And then they throw, look, Davis is wearing. I have two different socks on. Socks. Yeah. It also doesn't matter if you wear socks that don't match. So that's a part of it too. But 
more it's the inside out thing. Like somebody has to spend their time to put a shirt back to right side out. It can either be me a hundred times when I'm doing laundry, or it can be them one time when they go to put the shirt on. Mm. Takes the same amount of time Mm -hmm. either way. So in my mind, if they're going to turn it inside out, then they can turn it right side out in (laughs) whatever the other way (laughs) when they go to put it on. Right? It's the same amount of time, but it doesn't put it on me. And that's not me being lazy. That's me thinking about like additive. I have a lot of kids and they create a lot of laundry. And so for me to flip all their (laughs) shirts back out makes my job take longer, you know, and they're responsible for it. So all of that to say, when I'm doing a job, when I'm working on a project and I take a tool, you know, off the shelf, use it, it takes the same amount of time to put it back on the shelf now as it does later. But if I leave it on the table now, I have a pile of things that I have to all put back at the same time. So you can spread that workload across, you know, the right. day rather than... Bob, if I was your kid, I would just say, Dad, don't do anything. I'll just wear it inside out every other time. <laughs> uh, they kind of do that. <laughs> so, yeah. You have, I, I, I never really thought about this, but you guys, there's four kids, two adults. You have to do laundry almost every single day, don't you? Uh, we absolutely do laundry every that's, day, and we're always behind. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I grew up in a house of six. It was the same wow. way. And we have two dogs that pee on everything. Yeah. Both <laughs> so that added a lot to it. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, David, what else you got? You got to have something else. Oh, I mean, there there are there are plenty of things. I think um, I need to get uh, better at setting my own expectations or at least hold myself accountable for things that I say that I want to learn or things that I want to want to do. I I get excited and I'll say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this thing. And then I don't do that thing for like a year and a half. So, um, you know, like I bought that paint education course last year and I got all excited and I bought every little thing and I did all this research and then I'm like, okay, I'll do it in spring. And I don't have that same excitement right now to paint, to paint the car. I just like, I feel like that's past. I think maybe I just need spring to get here so I can get excited again. Um, But, you know, uh, a year ago, I got real excited. I was going to airbrush my my helmet. I was going to do these designs on there. And uh, I watched a bunch of uh, videos and uh, punish prop videos and bought all the stuff that I need. My airbrush, the air compressor, it's still in the box, unopened, and it's been like that for at least a year, <laughs> probably longer. I have all the yeah. paints and everything. I need to, I just really need to control that excitement and and the disappointment. You know, just, just bring that together. Yeah, the highs yeah. and lows. Well, so I wrote down defer purchases, mm. and I think it's kind of the same mm-hmm. thing. That that excitement is often related to buying a new tool or having a thing to accomplish a task. And if you get the thing before you need to use it, then it ends up like that excitement and that, yeah. that drive to buy that thing is gone. So I think for me, the way around what you're talking about that I need to get better at is deferring purchases rather than like, oh, I have an idea for an Arduino and I'm going to use that in like six months. So I'm going to go ahead and buy it and then I lose it. Or I bought the wrong one because I was in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go through the hassle of returning it, so, using another one, and whatever you know. I, I I think I have I haven't put a lot of thought into that, but I think I've told myself, okay, just throw this into your Amazon wish list or your Amazon cart. Don't purchase it; just just put it in there. But what happens is, you know, I have two accounts. I have a personal uh, 
card that I use and I have a business card and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I need some, I need some glue and some tapes and just various consumable items. Oh, I have these things on my wish list. I'll just put them in the cart now since I have the money (laughs) (laughs) and I'll, and I'll do that. So I feel less guilty for the UPS driver to show up instead of just giving me this (laughs) tiny little box. I get a big box. May as well buy it May all. As well buy just it all. To save on. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Your carbon footprint <laughs> is lower. Yeah. What else you got? Yeah, I. <clears throat> I was gonna say I need to get better at just getting started. Lately, I've been a little bit lazy. It's uh, so many distractions. Like I woke up this morning and I had to go figure out why there was no hot water. And I, I woke up and got ready at eight, took a shower, and lukewarm water and. Uh, then I was like, oh, I got to let the chickens out. Oh, I got to go downstairs and see why there's no hot water. And I went downstairs and figured out why there's no hot water. And then I was like, oh, I got to feed the cats. I got to make sure I feed the cats away from the birds because the birds will come over and eat all the cat food. So I got to feed them in the basement. And it's just so many distractions. And then I look at the clock and it's like literally five minutes to get ready for you guys. I completely forgot that I had a podcast because I just kept getting distracted by just the the morning chores. And, but that's uh, so not laziness. No, I mean it's it it's just I I focus. I'm so easily distracted from like mm. the task at hand. You know, like the, so like this morning it's like the podcast and then all of a sudden I completely forgot we had a podcast cuz I'm finding where the bird food is and where the this food is and then I got to make sure I get a coffee for the conversation and then I start chatting with somebody the thing and I'm like, "Oh, I got to go. I got a few minutes." And then I got to get out of my car and walk across ice and make sure I don't die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, but lately I find myself being just a little bit distracted to the point where when I do focus, I have to like completely focus to make up for lost time. As a matter as a, a matter of example, I'm packing up all these kits to go out. That's why I was asking you guys for your addresses, and uh, you know it's ongoing. I'm still asking other people and and. Uh, how it said, did you get those packages? I was like, no, I've been so busy. And so yesterday morning, I just focused, was it yesterday morning? Was it Monday morning? I just focused for like three hours. And all I did was just pack boxes. And I've avoided, I avoided that task so often that I completely forgot about it. Like I forgot completely that I was supposed to do it because I just kept avoiding it because I kept getting distracted. And I don't know, distracting, getting distracted on purpose and avoiding things are kind of similar uh, two ways to say the same hmm. thing. But Getting distracted guess, on purpose you know, is an of, interesting thing there, though. I mean, like, that yeah. probably has value, right? I mean, if you're if you're intentionally distracting yourself from something, there's probably a reason for that, I think. Yes, I don't want to do it. And it's cold, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah, a, okay. it's a real big, big, big part of, like, this, you know, they say seasonal depression. And I'm not, I don't have seasonal depression. I have seasonal <laughs> avoidance because it's like, like oh, I have to go over there. You know, oh, I got to go. Oh, I mean, like, I, I, I'm obviously working alone about 90% of the, 98% of the time now. But, you know, occasionally Mike helps me. Occasionally Rob helps me. But it used to be this thing in the morning on a snowy day, like, who's going to get to the shop first to turn the heat on? And I was like, it's not going to be me. I'm too lazy. I'm too tired. I, woke, you know, I went to sleep at 4 in the morning, and now I'm getting up at 9. I still have 10 more emails to deal with. And so I get to the shop, and, you know, Aaron will have been there or Brett will have been there to turn the heat on. And now I know there's nobody there to turn the heat on. So I'm just like, oh, God, it's going to be 20 degrees all day. I got to deal with this. So it's, it's, it's like I said, it's more seasonal avoidance. It's mm-hmm. not seasonal depression. So it's just an inconvenience. Last week we were talking about, um, you know, um, I don't even remember how I said it. 
whatever we talked about last week um, <laughs> about being, you know, the creative burnout, kind of being tired of, of, I don't remember how I said it now. Good grief. I should go back and look at the title while we're sitting here. But several people uh, had good comments about that and about how sometimes the best thing for um, fatigue, that was the word, the best, the best thing for fatigue in something is to intentionally put yourself in the opposite situation or a different situation as a way to kind of get your juices flowing on something totally different. And um, so a lot of people had some really good suggestions on that. But Jimmy, that may be a situation where, you know, if, if you're in a season where you're trying to avoid something because it's cold or because you're just tired of doing something or whatever, finding those, like even if it's not intentional, finding those other things to do to get your brain in a different place is a way that you're dealing with that with the fatigue or the avoidance or whatever. And I mean, honestly, as long as that time is productive, who cares? It doesn't matter if it's not packing boxes. Like, you know, you make your time productive in all sorts of ways, I think, uh, regardless. No, that's a good thing too, is like, you know, I do find myself like making excuses. I'm like, well, this has to get done anyway and nobody else is here to do it. So got to do this. Yeah. Well, any, uh, any other things you think we should get better at? I need to get better at fusion. Mm. Mm. I know a guy. Well, you, you, you need to buy a course. I, I you need to buy a course and then not watch it. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Well, one thing that's gotten me a little bit lazy with fusion is Taylor really delved into it and she's really good at it. And she's gotten really good at like creating rooms and scenarios and furniture and 3D printing stuff. And so I lean on her. I send her a picture. I'm like, what do you think of this? She's like, oh, okay, I'll draw it. Mm. And she'll, you know, I haven't really needed it too much for anything, but occasionally we discuss like rearranging parts of the house and then. An hour later, I get like a full 3D fly through of it. I'm like, oh, okay, wow, that happened fast. I really wasn't thinking that we were going to do that. I was just going to fantasize. I, <laughs> I will rip this out, open this up, make this door, and paint the floor. And I'm like, oh. I did stop myself from getting okay. too overexcited about something the other day. I saw a video of a, it's it's like a ceramics 3D printer of somebody making some really cool like mugs. And I was like, that looks amazing. That would be such a cool video. I want to get into 3D printing ceramics. Yeah. And then I looked and I was like, oh, I am not spending $4,000 on a 3D <laughs> printer. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ceramics is another thing. I'm waiting for it to get warm out because for me, in my mind, ceramics was on the back porch Every a couple of nights, me and Taylor would stay in the backyard on the back porch and the back dining table and make ceramics. And so now that it's cold out, like I associate ceramics mm-hmm. with that outdoor mm-hmm. activity. So I, I we've completely put ceramics on hold until it warms up again. And like it's not necessary. We could totally do it in here. It's just like my mind has connected it to warm weather. That's maybe not a bad thing, though. I mean, it, again, it yeah. puts something in a seasonal, you know. Yeah, we keep talking about ideas we're going to work on, like when it gets warm out. I'm like, we could totally do it now, but we're both yeah. just like in this mindset of like, later. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. Oh, I wrote down one more thing while you were talking. This is unrelated to the topic, but I thought it was pretty funny. The guy that came to Sandblast, the Gia, the other day, we got to talking and he was asking what I did for a living. And I reluctantly said that I did YouTube because... It always starts like a weird conversation with YouTuber. people. And they're like, oh, well, you know, tell me about your subscriber how count you, and all this. How do you make money on YouTube? But he was really nice about it, but he, he started like saying, oh yeah, I watch a few, you know, car channels and he was telling me some names of the channels and I didn't, I didn't know them or anything. And he was like, 
I said, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of kind of woodworking stuff and metalworking stuff and 3D printing stuff and whatever. And he was like, oh, yeah, there's this guy I watch and he restores old hand tools. I'm like, Eric? He was like, oh, yeah, I love that guy. That guy is so awesome. And he went on and on and on. And I was like, yes, Eric is awesome. He was like, wait, you know him? Like, he was totally blown away that I knew him in real life. He's going to be at WorkbenchCon. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah, he's, gonna, he's in Florida right now. He's going to go up to Atlanta. He's in Florida with his family. Cool. Well, I, I know of one of his new fans. So, um, All right, you guys got anything else on this? You know, it's funny. You just reminded me of something funny. Like, I just jokingly said it, but I have some thoughts on it. When you say you work on YouTube or you have a YouTube channel, and, and then the person thinks for a minute, and then they're like, I could finally continue my research. How do you make money on YouTube? <laughs> They ask the question like they're the only people that don't understand and like they're trying to figure it out for the for the other group, you know, for their group. <laughs> it's they always like slowly ask like how does how does that work? Like how do you make money? Well, like how does that work? Let me ask you guys this. If somebody that you don't know <laughs> that doesn't know who you are like this situation. This guy didn't know who I was at all. He was, he was just a person who hired him to do a job. If somebody asks you what you do for a living, what do you say? I say I'm a fabricator. It depends on the situation. If uh, sometimes it's just easier to say woodworking. So if like, you know, mm. if my grandpa's friend who's 85 years old, 90 years old, asked me what I do for a living, I'm not going <laughs> right, to say right. uh, I make. Yeah, I'm on right. TikTok. <laughs> also, I, I will, I will, it depends on if. I'm a lazy millennial. It, it depends if I want to go into more detail. If I don't, I'm just like, I, I do yeah. woodworking. Yeah. Hmm. And I always think like, cause I had a camera and I was asking him if I could take video. So that set a certain <laughs> tone, you know, and he was like, well, what do you do? What are you going to do with that? And I was like, well, we make how to content and I try to keep it mm -hmm. really like technical sounding. So it sounds like we work for some big media company, yeah. you know, and it's not that interesting or whatever, but I'm just curious because I know some people are really proud of the fact that they make YouTube videos and they really just like, I'm a YouTuber, check it out, you know, and they want to tell it. And that's great. Awesome. Me, I'm not. Like, I, I would prefer that people don't know what I do if I don't. <laughs> this is what <laughs> I do what I mean? when people say, how do, you, how do you make money on YouTube? And I say, you know those ads that run in front of the videos? They go, yeah. I go, I get $25 for every ad. So you lied to them. I see. Yeah. I you also wow. worry. Wow! Really? Like some people associate woodworker with construction. They're like, "Oh, so yeah, I need I need to do an addition yeah. to my house. Can you tell me what?" It, like, no, that's that's a that's a that's a different thing. I don't know anything about. Hmm. Well, that's what I would tell people. I say I'm a carpenter, but I do everything after the construction is done. I said after the baseboard gets painted, then you call me. That's I do I data analysis. <laughs> Yeah. You should probably, yeah, come up with some big, long, ridiculous, yeah. over-explained way to say it so that they're just like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to know Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because technically I do do data analysis, so. That's yeah. true. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters for today, who are awesome, and uh, hopefully some of them will be at WorkbenchCon. We'll get to say hi this week. But big thanks to everybody over there that helps us out, uh, especially our top supporters, Corey Ward. Albert's Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, and Chris Powell at Full Steam Designs. I think Chris may be there this weekend. I may have remembered that wrong, but maybe. 
But either way, hopefully we'll get to see some of them. Uh, big thanks to everybody, even other people who are not in the top group, like Matt Serio. Hi, Matt. He's on the list. There's a bunch of people. And they all get the after show, no matter at what level they support. So big thanks to them. Um, I, I mentioned last time that we were going to try to change up the artwork for the after show so it looks different in the podcast player. And I've got some news for you. I still haven't done that. <laughs> I will, but I haven't done it yet. Is that news? So, is that um, actual news? Or is that just... Well, you know, I don't want people to be confused thinking it should be there and okay. it's not and whatever. So, yeah, I just haven't gotten to it. I will. Um, but if you want to join that crew, get the after show, go to patreon.com slash making it. We are really, really, truly grateful for all that support. It's pretty awesome. All right. You guys have some stuff to I recommend? Got, I got one. I just opened up uh, YouTube, and I see Mike Boyd just put out a video on counting cards. Hmm. And I'm like, I want to watch that right now. So we got to hurry up and get off of get off the podcast so I can watch the new Mike Boyd. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, nice. But my pick is, it's called Tapered Stave Math. It is a 25-minute 25 minute video by this guy named Kurt and it is it's going to be super boring and it's going to melt your brain but it's it's um, <laughs> it's awesome I can't believe people like this exist but he goes through and explains why you need to come up with this formula to figure out this thing and then this thing and then like at the beginning of the video he's like if you're just looking for the formulas skip to the end of the video but if you like boring content hang with me and it's <laughs> It's just uh, <laughs> smart people are fascinating to me. <laughs> I told you guys before we started, I watched the tread on Netflix. It's something I never, I never, ever, I never, ever start a documentary and finish it. Oh, wow. Ever. I've never finished a movie that I started watching I love, ever in my life. <laughs> I wow. always get bored and tune out, especially <laughs> as an adult. Um, so anyway, I, it, it's really interesting, this documentary about a guy who, who got mad at the town council and drove over all their personal belongings with a tractor. It's uh, really great. It just shows the, the genesis of his resentment, how it began and how it developed. This is a true story. And he, in secret, armor, armorized, armorized a Komatsu uh, uh, payload, or what are you, a bulldozer so that he could drive it as long as possible without getting shot at by the police. And he literally destroyed eight, nine buildings in his small little community because 10 years before they wouldn't let him do his certain thing. So he went to everybody on the town council and drove over their home. And, uh, and it was, it's from a filmmaking point of view, there's some really interesting things. Obviously the story is intriguing, but he did a he did he spoke into a tape recorder apparently now one thing that was never clear was whether that was really his voice they they took a lot of liberties recreating a lot of stuff like for instance him welding and creating the thing which is something you would never have seen in an earlier documentary like maybe made 10 15 years ago very i i don't ever recall i mean again i never finished anything i ever started watching but they don't typically make a documentary about something and then do a recreation of what you're talking about just to have images. Obviously, when you do certain documentaries, there's just not enough images to go around. You have to kind of rely on photographs, personal interviews. If that person talking is boring, you got to start throwing some images. And that's maybe just the genesis of this, you know, modern, modern way we consume uh, content. But it was interesting. They basically recreated him 
welding this tank up. They got the same bulldozer, or maybe they made it out of plywood. I don't know. And they made these of him welding at night. They, they had like all, so it was very theatrical and also very documentary style. And the whole thing was bit by bit voiced over by him because he had made these recordings before he decided to go on this suicide mission. And so they had these recordings and of him talking. And uh, I just don't know if it was really him or not. I was really curious to know, but I stopped watching at four in the morning and fell asleep. So I didn't do any research. But Wait, so you was, didn't uh, finish it or you did finish? Because you no, said, I did. No, I did. I, I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep at like two in the morning and woke up. And then I was like, oh, I wonder what happened in the end. I didn't even get to the part where he starts driving over stuff. So then I had to go back in time and watch it. So I did finish it. But uh, it was just... Uh, from a filmmaker point of view, I just thought it was really interesting how they have to recreate all this stuff where they never would have done that if you see a documentary from the 80s or the 70s or the 60s. Yeah. They never would have this thought to recreate stuff that was just left to your imagination, if you hmm. understand. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, I'm not sure that I want to watch done. that. It sounds interesting, but it sounds like it's just a downhill thing. One of those. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all yeah. negative and crazy. But, you know, there is a certain sense of fantasy. Of, you, you watch it, there is a certain sense of uh, revenge fantasy that you live. You're like, wow, if I had that, I would definitely go and drive over that guy's house. You know, I'm thinking of people whose house I would drive over. This reveals so much about Jimmy. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Maybe oh, we should yeah, stop yeah, yeah. here so well, you don't incriminate yourself. We should, we should do a pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want to pay for a pre-show? Oh, yeah, Let us yeah know we, we did talk for like 25 minutes before we even hit record. That's true. Yeah, super secret stuff. All right, well, I mentioned earlier the uh, No Dumb Questions, What is Calculus episode. So I'm going to put a link to that. It is, uh, I haven't finished it, but it is interesting. I mean, those guys are awesome and always interesting. But I'll throw another random one in there just because we were <laughs> talking about it the other day at the office. Have you guys ever seen Creed Shreds on YouTube? No, God. <laughs> no. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Okay, well, there's a whole bunch of these now, but I, this was the first one I ever saw years and years ago where they took, some random person took a video of Creed, the band, performing, and they replaced all the music with, like, <laughs> just terrible versions of kind of the same thing. So instead of the guy's voice singing, it's just somebody in the microphone going, here, oh, here, oh, oh. and then instead of guitars, it's like, Bing bong, boom, boom, beep, beep. You know, just noises to represent all the things. And it is so funny. It's hilarious. And in fact, my favorite one of this genre is uh, there's a video of, I think it's I Get Around by the Beach Boys. It's a Beach Boys song, but I think it's I Get Around. But instead of electric, electric guitars and a full band, it's like an unplugged electric guitar and them clapping just like this, like out of beat, <laughs> and that's all. And then them singing off key. It is so funny. It man, there's. I don't it. know if it was My the same the same people that made these, uh, or if a different group of people. But there's the the Prodigy Firestarter video from the '90s, and somebody took that video and just made the took away all the music and just like the, the the footsteps and the dancing and the noises that would be behind <laughs> the music and it's hilarious there's also a, a Mick awesome. Jagger David Bowie one and oh yeah it's it's it, it, same concept so good i got to add the beach boys shreds <laughs> to the link as well cuz it's so good now i want to watch it oh man i think we should make jimmy watch this in the after show <laughs> jimmy reacts <laughs> <laughs> doing a whole yeah. podcast of jimmy reacts 
Okay. I'm going to drive over that mm. with a bulldozer. Mm. I'm, I'm putting the link in here before. I'm going to drive over that song with a bulldozer. <laughs> I think I'm going to get a bulldozer next. That's going to be my next Oh, one. gosh. That's what you need just to start <laughs> yeah, collecting, start collecting bulldozers. bulldozers. Yeah. You know what? The, I have the I have the uh, the the backhoe, and the the thing that makes me the most nervous about the backhoe is that it's going to stop working wherever I am, and then I'm going to have to try and tow it and move it, which will be impossible. So hmm. every time I take this giant, like you know, this metaphor, this giant like elephant out for a walk, I'm always afraid it's just going to sit <laughs> down, and then I won't be able to get it to move. And cut right there. Just cut the podcast every time right I start. There. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always afraid I'm going to start the backhoe up. I'm going to take it out into the middle of the driveway, and then it's going to stall, and I'm not going to re- be able to restart it, and I won't be able to move it. That's when you just turn it into a piece like, of art. You just start decorating yeah, it, yeah. and it just becomes part or of the Or just property. let it sit for 30 years and restore it and get millions of views. You know what I could do? I, could, I wonder if I could build out an armored cab for <laughs> oh, that. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> You're going to get yourself in Never. trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, catch you next time. Bye.